Thank you all for leading us in worship. Man, hey, we're here. It's Easter. Hallelujah, man. It's a good day, right? Oh, gosh. You know, there's, um, there's just a lot of pressure on Easter. A lot of pressure. I was, uh, last, last night, I, was, I told Jenny, I said I was trying to, I said, I don't have any new duds to wear. You know, like I want to look good on Easter. I don't even think new. You ever feel that pressure like you got to dress up on Easter? And, and uh, she reminded me, she says, not about you, Justin. I said, well, that's, that's true. <laughs> And so, anyway, I got here this morning, and I, I, was, uh, <clears throat> I was getting ready, and I always call her on Sundays and, and, and the mornings before church, and I said, hey, how you doing? She said, well, she says, not a good morning. I said, why not? She said, I can't find anything to wear. So I said, but we, we both, I think, look all right this morning, so it's all good, man. I'm just trying to take the pressure off. You know, there's also this pressure to preach well. You want to preach well, like it's Super Bowl for preachers. And um, so, you know, I feel this pressure that I want to do a good job on Easter, and so... You know, I was kind of praying about that this morning. I said, Lord, I, said, I just don't, you know, I don't want to mess this up. I don't want to mess it up with all these people coming. And, and I just felt like I heard loud and clear, Justin, you can't mess up what I did on the cross. Like, you can't mess that up. Now, I can say some things that probably are inappropriate or dumb, um, but I, I can't take away what he's done on the cross. Amen? All right. Well, I'm going to ask you to stand on this Resurrection Sunday with me as I read the Scripture. It's Matthew 28, verses 1 through 10. Matthew 28, verses 1 through 10. It says, After the Sabbath, at dawn on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to look at the tomb. And there was a violent earthquake, for an angel of the Lord came down from heaven and going to the tomb, rolled back the stone and sat on it. His appearance was like lightning and his clothes were white as snow. The guards were so afraid of him that they shook and became like dead men. And the angel said to the woman, do not, to the women, do not be afraid, for I know that you are looking for Jesus, who was crucified. He is not here. He is risen, just as he said. Come and see the place where he lay. Then go quickly and tell his disciples, he has risen from the dead and is going ahead of you into Galilee. There you will see him. Now I have told you. So the women hurried away from the tomb, afraid yet filled with joy, and ran to tell his disciples. Suddenly Jesus met them. Greetings, he said. They, they came to him, clasped his feet, and worshipped him. And then Jesus said to them, Do not be afraid. Go and tell my brothers to go to Galilee, and there they will see me. This is the word of God for the people of God. Father, I ask you to bless the teaching and preaching of your word today. Pray that I can get out of the way, but be bold enough to follow the Spirit when you move. And just pray that people can hear, know, and meet you today. In Jesus' name, amen. You can be seated. Uh, it was a while back we installed a cattle gate um, at, at our land, and it was a 14-foot cattle gate. It was uh, really heavy. It's actually steel. And you couldn't just lift it, my dad and I, so we got the tractor and we were lifting it with the tractors, we were hanging it, and it only came with two hinges. Um, and I realized we were going to need a third hinge, because the strength of a gate is actually in the hinge. Um, if you've ever hung a gate before, you know that you've got to have good hinges, otherwise it'll, it'll, it'll sag and it won't be any good, especially when you have kids that are swinging on it, um, or whatever else. But the strength of the gate is in the hinge. That's, that's the power of it. it it's, it's what it swings on. Everything pivots on it. Without that, it's no good. As I begin to talk to you about the resurrection this morning, I want you to think of that imagery because the strength of Christianity hinges upon the resurrection. Everything hinges upon the resurrection. The strength, everything that we do and everything that we talk about as Christians hinges upon the resurrection. Without the resurrection, it's no good. In fact, without the resurrection, I'll go as far as to say that we have a pointless religion. 
If Jesus was just a good man or Jesus was just a prophet or a martyr or we believe the tomb was empty because somebody came and stole the body, then it's no good. The Spirit of God, the afterlife, the forgiveness of sin, sacrificial atonement, grace, mercy, redemption, they're all null and void without the resurrection. In fact, you can take any theological concept out there. You can take soteriology, which is the, the study of salvation. It's no good without the resurrection. You can take eschatology, the study of heaven. It's no good without the resurrection. You can take justification, sanctification. None of it's any good without the resurrection of Jesus Christ. This one moment in time, this one event that you and I come to celebrate today and acknowledge that Jesus Christ would resurrect from the dead, would absolutely change everything throughout history forever. We are Christians because we believe in the resurrection of Christ. Apart from the resurrection, there's absolutely no Christianity. Many historians believed that Christ existed. Many of Christ's doubters believed that he was a prophet. But as Christians, we believe he was resurrected. Resurrection, by the way, is arising from the dead. It is dying then coming back to life. Something has life, something dies, it has no life, and it comes back to life. Remember one of the first months at Divinity School, I was in a theology class, and I remember, I can specifically remember where I was sitting. I was, I, we were on the back row of an auditorium, and I was sitting beside this guy um, who was very, very smart, and he, he went to Stanford in California, and I remember being intimidated by him. Um, and uh, he, he had an undergrad in religion. He's like, what's your undergrad in? I'm like, agriculture. Great, this is going to go over well, you know. Um, and we, we were, got into a debate about theology, and he told me that he doubted whether or not the resurrection really happened. And I said, well, without the resurrection, you have no faith. And I remember he went in this big theological spill, and I felt so intimidated, and I didn't have a good comeback, and so I just kind of stumbled, and I just said, well, you're wrong. And... And you drove the Oscar Mayer Wiener truck for a year, which tells me a lot about you. And that's true. He really did. And I just thought it was odd. I, I, I didn't have my points prepared for argument, but, but I knew in my heart from reading the Bible my whole life that without the resurrection, there was no Christianity. So what I want to talk to you about this morning is give you some tools. If somebody were to ask you that, why the resurrection is so important to our faith? Why does it matter so much? Why is it a non-negotiable? There are certain things that you can negotiate in a conversation about theology. You cannot negotiate the resurrection. In fact, it's probably the number one thing. It is the number one thing from the beginning of your Bible to the end that you must never, ever negotiate in your belief. But before we get there, I want to do one call and response because this sets the tone for our conversation. I want you to see this on the screen. It says, he is not here, and then your part is, he has risen. Now, some people say he's supposed to say he is risen. I, I don't know. Last year, I just said, he ain't here. You know what I'm saying? But it doesn't really matter. The, the point is, he ain't here. Um, so I'm going to say this. I want you to say he is risen. So he is not here. He is not here. He is not here. Amen. All right, hang on to your hats. Here we go. So what does Christ's resurrection mean for us? Number one, it affirms Jesus' identity. The resurrection affirms Jesus' identity. It affirms that Jesus was, in fact, who he said he was. When Jesus died and he came back from the grave, everybody knew that he was who he said he was. In fact, I bet there was not one person who saw Jesus die a violent death on the cross, saw him buried three days later. On the third day, he rises and he sees them and they go, you're not God. 
They would all know that he was God when he came back from the dead. When they witnessed him die a violent, horrific death on the cross, there was no question when he came back that he was who he says he was. That's why he spent 40 days appearing to people. Now remember, Jesus dies, he's resurrected, he doesn't go to heaven yet. He, what he does is he, he, he resurrects, he comes to earth, and he walks around, he appears to people for 40 days. Then, after 40 days, he ascends into heaven. So during those 40 days, he appears to a bunch of people. One of those people was Thomas. If you remember, Thomas was a doubter. If you doubt, you can relate to Thomas. Thomas didn't believe it happened. He wanted to see it for himself. Jesus walks to the door. He says, it is I. Look, put your hands here. See the holes in my hands. Thomas needed evidence. A walking dead man who has come to life is evidence of who someone says they is. The resurrection affirmed to all. What if he had just died? What if he had not been resurrected? You and I were sitting here, and I was preaching to you about a dead man. Do you think this would have caught fire like it is some 2,000 years later and people all across the world today are celebrating the resurrection of Jesus? It all started because of witnesses who saw a man who had died come back to life. Because, because of Jesus Christ's resurrection, I can attest to all the other promises in Scripture. If he promised that he would come back from death and he did it, I can trust in everything else that he says. So I follow him because of the promises that begin with his promise of being resurrected and, and, and making claim to that promise. Remember the story of a Buddhist who converted to Christianity and he said, I was at a turn in the road and who do I follow? He said, I had a choice. I had a choice I could follow a man who was alive or a man who had died. He said, I chose to follow the one who was alive. A dead man, no matter how good or great, cannot save anybody. Buddha has saved no one. Jesus Christ is alive. He is not dead. He is alive. He is alive today. So it affirms his identity. Number two, we are justified before God. Now, a lot of people don't know or realize that they need to be justified. They think, well, I'm a just person. You might be just before other people. You might be just before a judge on earth. But you are not just before your Father in heaven without the death of Jesus Christ. The only way to have justification before God our Father is through the blood of Jesus Christ that was shed on the cross and by faith and belief in him. It's what the Bible tells us, that God is too holy for us to come before him. We can't stand before God without a mediator. It's what we call substitutional atonement in theology. It means that we need a substitute to atone, to make us at one for our sins with God. In the Old Testament, substitutional atone, atonement was done by a goat, a ram, a pigeon, uh, whatever, an animal. Jesus Christ comes. He's not just the substitutional atonement. He's the eternal substitutional atonement for your sins and for mine. Now, the reason that he's the substitutional atonement is because he came back to life. Had he just died, he would be nothing more than a man who went and he said he died for our sins. But he was the eternal substitutional atonement because he came back from death to life and he sits at the right hand of the Father to mediate on behalf of you and I. Without faith in him, you were damned. You, you cannot stand before God. Jesus Christ came to set us free. He came to justify, to make us just before the Father and before the judge. If you've ever watched a jury come to a verdict and they declare someone not guilty, you realize the, the, the immense relief for that individual. And that's what we do when we profess belief in Christ, that our sins are forgiven and we feel this sense of relief. I remember the day I gave my life to Christ and I walked down to the altar at a promise keepers convention and I didn't even know what was going on, but I felt this weight and I just left and I wanted to tell everybody and I felt so light and so excited. I mean, it was like I'd been set free and I didn't even know what I was free from, but I was free from my sin and it was the spirit at work within my life. 
Justification is the free and gracious gift of God bestowed on those who receive it by faith through the sacrifice of Jesus. Number three, we are raised to new life. Man, I tell you what, you better get excited on this one. I sure do. We have new life on this earth, not just a ticket to heaven. Man, I won't get saved so I can go to heaven. Listen, yes, it's about this earth. You can live with Jesus Christ now. He can enter your heart and he's with you now and he never lets go of you all the way into eternity. Behold, the old is gone and the new has come. We are a new creation and we decide to follow him, profess belief in him, repent of our sin, commit our lives to him. It was only because of Christ's resurrection that he went to the Father and he sits up there and he's mediating. But not just that. Listen to this. He was resurrected. He walked the earth and he spent 40 days appearing to people and proving who he was. Then he goes to heaven. He doesn't say this is it. He says, I'm going to send the Holy Spirit. Ten days later on Pentecost, he sends the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit resides in everyone who believes in him. And the Holy Spirit will give you life. He doesn't just leave you down here as orphans. He says, I'm going to come live in you and sup within you and come into your house and reside and make residence in your body. I mean, Jesus Christ is within us. He lives in us. That's why we get excited and have joy. And that's why we forgive people who do bad things to us. And that's why we are redeemed and we don't feel like death is the end. And we go to funerals and we sing and we rejoice because life does not end with death. Now on Easter, if somebody doesn't say, amen, we got a problem. That's great news. Every time I stand before a coffin, whenever I go to a graveside, I always stand there and I look around at everybody, and this can be a very emotional moment, but I always look at everybody and I go, every single one of us is going to be right where this person is. All of us. But we have a choice. We have a choice that we can believe and follow Jesus Christ, and Jesus Christ will give us life beyond the grave. He will give us life beyond the grave that when we become Christ followers, everything in our life is transformed by him. Our dreams are different. Our desires are different. Our hopes are different. We're no longer slaves to sin. We no longer live in bondage. We're no longer chained to, 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 the, to the bounds of sin. We've been crucified with him. We have access to the Father. We live in the power of the Spirit. We can do all things through Christ who lives in us. We're dead to sin, alive in Christ. I once was lost, but now I'm found. I'm not just existing. I have purpose. I have meaning in my life. Jesus gives you purpose. You think you can find purpose in other things. Trust me, I've tried it. I mean, I remember, I remember thinking if I could just go to Clemson. You know, when, when I got to Clemson, like it was going, like I had made it. You know, I know some of y'all don't believe that, but I thought that, like, if I can just get into Clemson. I remember I got in. I was so excited. I remember where I was, and I got my acceptance letter, and I was like, if I can just get a four-year degree. My dad said, you'll never make it. I said, yeah, I can. And, uh, and, and I remember I got a bachelor's degree, and I remember I put that ring on. Boy, I, I thought I had arrived. And, you know, before long, I was like, man, this doesn't really suffice. I need something else. So I thought, well, maybe I'll get a master's, and that'll make me feel important. You know, people will respect me. And so I went and got my master's, and that didn't really do it. I was like, eh. And then I went and got another degree, and I was like, well, let's see if this does it. And that didn't really do it. And, you know, then I thought, gosh, I was single and desperate. And, you know, I was just, I, I, no, I was single. And, and um, I was like, man, I just, I, I'm like, if I just get married, man, if I just get married, life's going to be good. If you're there right now, and you go, if I just get married, everything will be complete. And then I got married, and, and it was good most of the time, but it wasn't perfect. And, and then we were like, well, if we just have kids. Like maybe we just have a kid, you know, we have a kid, and then we'll put it, that puts everything together. And then we had a kid, and it just got harder. And then we said, well, we'll have another one. And so we had another one. I thought, well, we'll be the four, we'll be the Brady Bunch, and, you know, whatever, and things will be great, and, and, uh, or just a perfect family. And, and, and it was hard. And, and then you think, well, maybe you get to, you know, be a pastor at, at a big church, and it's like, wow, you know. 
Now we're building a house, and I think maybe that'll suffice. And the only thing that suffices is Jesus Christ. You will chase thing after thing after thing after thing. The thing that you were made for is being in union with your Father. It's the only thing that suffices. Because you can have all those other things. You can put them all in your basket and collect them as you go. But I will tell you that, so- that something can wipe all those things out overnight. But nothing can take away Christ. He is the same today, tomorrow, and forever. Forever. He, he is the only constant you can cling to. He will never let you go. Like I plan to enter into eternity with him, holding his hand. He will never, ever leave me. Ever. Ever. Romans 6, 4 says, We were therefore buried with him through baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. Man, if you're here and you got baggage and you're hating life and you're like, man, it's heavy, I don't feel like I have purpose, try committing your life to Christ. Just try it and give him a chance. Uh, Number four, we will be resurrected. We have the promise of the resurrection. The same way that he was resurrected, so will we be. You know, we're going to recognize each other in heaven. Y'all realize that, right? Like, we're going to see, like, they recognized Jesus. They thought he was the gardener at first and didn't recognize him on the road to Emmaus, but eventually they knew it was him. They recognized Moses and Elijah. We will know each other in heaven. We will have resurrected bodies. Like, death is not the end. If there's anything you can jump in the air and click your heels about, it's that. That death is not the end. Every single person I saw walk into the church this morning was growing older. Everybody. Like, time is ticking. We're growing closer and closer and closer to death. The difference in those who believe in Christ is that we will spend eternity with him. See, we're all going to be resurrected. Everybody will be resurrected that's died before Jesus comes back, and everybody will have to stand before the Father. But here's the difference. Some will go to heaven and some will go to hell. That's the divide is that some who knew him, had faith in him, will go to heaven, and those who did not know him will will be damned to hell. So that's when the real division happens. Like Matthew 25 talks about the sheep and the goats. So it's so important that we have faith and belief in him, not not just to be saved from hell, but so that we have a relationship with him. He didn't come to condemn the world. He came to save the world. God is not... Uh, exclusive. He, he's inclusive. It's why he came and died for vindication. But we have to receive it on faith. He, he requires belief in him. 1 Corinthians 15, 51 through 52 says, listen, I tell you a mystery. We will not all sleep, but we will all be changed in the flash and the twinkling of an eye, the last trumpet. For the trumpet will sound, the dead will be raised imperishable, and we will be changed. I just can't imagine preaching the gospel without the resurrection. I can't imagine going to divinity school and argue with somebody that the resurrection didn't happen. I'd be like, what in the world am I doing here? I would get in my car, pack my bags, and leave. It doesn't make sense. If he didn't die for me, if he didn't cover my blood, my sins, what in the world are we doing? If he didn't sacrifice himself on the cross, then what did he come here for? If he didn't come back from the dead, he's not who he says he is. Paul says in 1 Corinthians 15, 55, talks about the victory Christ has over death. He says, where, O death, is your victory, but where, O death, is your sting? The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law, but thanks be to God, he gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Man, hey, and I'll tell you all this. Man, I'm so thankful that I gave my life to Christ in an early age. Praise God for that. 
because I've been able to live a life where I understand the freedom, joy, grace, and mercy, and redemption of Christ. Some of you haven't experienced that. Some of you have. But if you were young and you've given your life to Christ, man, praise him for it. Uh, some people do it when they're older, like the thief on the cross, moments before he died. He lived his whole life without having the grace, mercy, and redemption of Christ. You can have it now. He gives it, and you can live with joy. I'm not saying it's perfect. I'm not saying it's not hard. Christ didn't take sin away. Christ died for sin. Sin's still here. We still live with it. But he forgives us, and we go back and forth to the cross over and over and over again. Every morning I can get up and I can set my burdens down at the cross. Some people don't have a cross. They don't believe in a cross. They don't believe in a resurrection. They have nothing to lay things down to, and it just creates in them this, this sense of hate. Number five, it gives us an identity. It gives us an identity. I, man, I would not know who I am apart from Christ. I, listen, if, if I didn't have this... Apart, I love being a father, love being a husband, love being a pastor. But if I didn't have my identity in Christ, once again, who would I be? Because all that can be stripped from me. So in times of uncertainty, there's nothing more comforting than knowing that you belong to Christ. And here's another really important thing for you to understand, is that you can have assurance of your salvation. I want to talk to you about that today right quick. Assurance of your salvation. I, if I had a dollar for every time somebody said, I don't know if I'm saved. I don't know if I'm saved. I don't know if I've received salvation. And I go, man, God will give you assurance. How do I know? How am I sure? Well, one, you don't trust your feelings all the time. But you, believe, you say that you believe in him. You confess your sin. You repent. You head the other direction. But then God gives you the Spirit. And the Bible says the Spirit will testify to us that he is within us. The Spirit will give testimony. In other words, when you do something you shouldn't do and sin, if you feel guilty about it or burdened about it, that's the Holy Spirit speaking to you. If you feel something calling you out of something and to something, that's the Holy Spirit speaking to you. You can have assurance. Wesley talked about this because John Wesley lived his whole life like a long, all, all the way into his 20s without having assurance. He's like, I was just kind of going through the motions. Then suddenly I had this experience where I knew that I was saved, that I had received salvation because the Spirit of God lived within me. If the Spirit of God would descend on this place and all of us would be filled with the Spirit and we would start praising Him from God living within us, man, would that not be a daggum miracle? That would be awesome that we were all filled to the brim with the Spirit and no longer question our salvation, stop worrying about it, got out there and did the work of Christ. I mean, gosh, Easter's such a picture of what it could be. It could be this every Sunday. Here's the key to it being this every Sunday. Every one of you have to do this again next week. That's all it would take. If everybody made a commitment to do this again next week, we would have this next week. That's all. So, listen, if you're here and you, f you find yourself trying to figure out your identity, man, there's, there's no place you need to be more than the presence of other believers, the power of the Spirit in the church. And I offer to you today, wherever you are, if you're struggling in a relationship, you're struggling financially, you're struggling with your identity, if you don't know if you're saved, all those things, I offer to you the gift of Jesus Christ is offered freely. He poured out his life on the cross. And he offers it to all who would believe and confess and repent and seek after him. Man, I'm going to go back to our, um, our call and response. He's not here. He's not here. He's not here. Amen. Today, 
If you want to be set free from worry and guilt, shame and condemnation, I'm going to offer a prayer to you where you can receive Christ. Um, it's why that he died so that we could receive him. Romans 8.16 once again says, The Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. Um, receive the Holy Spirit so that you can be assured of your salvation today. I want to invite you to close your eyes and to pray with me. If you'd like to um, renew your faith, you can do that today. There's no better day to do that than on Easter. Christ offers us that every time we cry out to him. If you've been distanced or feel shame or guilt for something you've done, man, hey, today is a good day to turn your life around and seek after him. So let's go to the Lord and let's, um, let's pray. God, man, I thank you for Resurrection Sunday. What a wonderful day. There's no better day than coming to church on Easter, Lord. We're all together and we're all celebrating and praising you and thanking you, Lord, that you came back from the dead. Father God, this is a great day for reboot, restart. I just pray, Father, for first of all, for anyone who walked in the room today and may not know you is hearing the gospel message for the first time, Lord. I just pray, Father, that they can repeat a prayer after me and receive you unto them and that prayer sounds like this if you just repeat after me if you don't know the Lord and want to receive him today it just says dear Lord Jesus I know that I'm a sinner and I ask for your forgiveness believe that you died for my sins and that you rose from the dead I turn from my sins I invite you to come into my heart and my life I want to trust you and I want to follow you as my Lord and Savior If you're here today and you just want to hit reset, that's between you and God. Just ask God to forgive you. If you know the Lord, you've been distanced from him, ask him to forgive you. Make your heart new in him. Restore the joy of your salvation. He can do that if you'll ask him and if you will seek him. Oh, praise you, Father. You're such a good God. I want to leave your presence today, Lord. I'd rather sit here all day than leave this building but Lord we know that worship has to come to an end we thank you in this building Lord we thank you thank you for who you are we love you thank you for our people around us thank you for this church we pray for its future we pray for hope we pray for growth we pray for restoration we love you we give you all the glory and praise in Jesus name the whole church said amen